Writers Beyond Borders is a recent program. It's two years old now. I started it in 2020 in the midst of the pandemic. I was interacting on Zoom with people from across the globe with some of the online programs that I designed for the community. Those participants said, can you give us a writing group? Writers Beyond Borders was born out of the need of this group of international writers to meet and to learn and to support each other. Right now, it's hosted by my home library here, Charlotte Mecklenburg Library. We meet the third Wednesday of every month. That's what Writers Beyond Borders is all about. Join me on an adventure, a literary romp through India. Meet me at the corner of Patchouli and Chai, where books, cinema, and conversation collide. I'm Lovelace Cook. I'll be your tour guide. Welcome to Bollywood and Books. I am so excited this afternoon to be able to talk with a wonderful person, Surabi Kaushik, who is in Charlotte, North Carolina. She's just got an incredible background. I'm really excited to have a chance to speak with her. Surabi, you said words are your best friends. And I just wondered, tell me about the time you discovered words were your best friends. It's a lovely question. Firstly, thank you for having me here, Lovelace. It's my pleasure. I'm glad we found each other. I'm glad to be speaking to you today. Thank you. So words, yes, I've always been a writer. I think I wrote my first poem maybe when I was six or seven years old. I don't have an exact time and date to mention, but I used to write at a very young age and I realized that I express myself better through the written word than the spoken word. <laughs> so I used to love to talk as well. I still do love to talk. <laughs> I express myself better. I'm clearer. And so I used to write all the time as a kid. I got published early on, you know, from letters to the editor. My grandfather, my father's father, he used to encourage me to write letters to the editor in the children's section of a newspaper back in India. It is called The Hindu. It used to be called the supplement newspaper was called The Young World. And I used to write my poems, my essays, uh, my letters to the editor, supervised by my grandfather, <laughs> used to get published over there. That's really exciting and affirming, too, for a young person. So you get to see your words in print. You're a writer. You have a family member, your grandfather, encouraging you. How cool is that? That is just remarkable. It's wonderful. Tell me about your education, how words fit into the studies that you did. I have a master's in mass communication from Bangalore University. That's in India. And I did my master's thinking that I would join the print media as a newspaper journalist. That was where I thought I was going before I graduated. But after I graduated, my first job was in advertising. I used my degree to get a job in the advertising field as a copywriter. And did you enjoy the work as a copywriter? I love it. I just love it. I can go back any day. That's exciting because the advertising field is fun. I know that you worked in Mumbai, but you said you were in Bangalore. Did you start working in advertising in Bangalore? No, I started my first job in Kochi, in a small advertising agency called KPB Advertising uh, Agency. So that's where I started as a junior copywriter. Kochi is a wonderful, historic port city. And then from Kochi, you moved to Mumbai. 
Tell me about how that took place and some of your experiences in Mumbai in the advertising world, because that's got to be really exciting. Yeah, it was a huge jump because I was a fresh graduate. I worked for very few months initially with KPB Advertising. I did a second stint with the same company later on, I think 2010 to 2012 or something, but that was my first job. And I went to Bombay, which is a city of dreams, a big city. But interestingly, my first job over there in Mumbai was as a copywriter for greeting cards. I love greeting cards. As a kid, I used to spend a lot of time in on all those greeting card stores, Archie's and Hallmark and buying all those heavy wordy cards. <laughs> First job was greeting card copywriter. That really is tight writing. Your message has to be encapsulated in a short amount of space. I think that's great training. I loved it. That was like a dream job because every time I used to walk into a greeting card store, you used to think, oh, I can write like this. I can write like this. You know, in a greeting card, you have one portion when you open it, where you have the written part on the blank side. I used to write on the blank side also. I pity the people I used to give the cards to. They had to read a lot. I think it's wonderful. And then from writing greeting card copy, where did you go from there? I worked for a lot of mid-sized advertising agencies as a copywriter. It was all small agencies in Mumbai not super famous or anything, but I did a lot of copywriting for financial companies. They were some of our clients, but it was a lot of fun. I love the rush of the deadline, pushing against, you know, the clients are pressuring you. I, I just loved it. Working late into the night or, you know, having a lot of days working on a pitch, or coming up with some kind of a creative pitch for a product or an agency. It was, it was super fun. So you were working either with a creative director or someone in the art department to put together the pitches for your clients. Were you involved in the pitch sessions? No, I never got that far. No, I was at a very junior level. So we used to call them client servicing. I don't know what they're called anymore in the Indian advertising industry. But at the time where I worked, they were the client servicing people and they used to come with a pitch and they used to give it to our um, copy head over because we were a team of copywriters. I was not the only person doing that, except for in some small agencies, I was I was the only person who was doing English copywriting because in India, since we have so many languages, we also had, for example, in Kochiwi, I also had a Malayalam copywriter, you know, so he was doing the local language and I was doing English. But in Mumbai, it was only English. I've never done a client pitch in Mumbai, but I've done several on my own in Kochi. That's really exciting to have that opportunity to be face-to-face with your clients and to talk with them and to have everything come from your imagination and your creativity. When you came to the United States, you and your husband and your son moved to the United States from Mumbai, from Bombay. You call it the city of dreams. I think that's wonderful. You and your husband and your son live in Charlotte, North Carolina. You've got all this creativity and all this experience as a writer. And then you started something really exciting there using all that talent. Tell us about how you used that in the community. When we moved, my visa status does not let me work. So I can only volunteer. I I decided to do something with my time and my energy, you know, until I get my work permit. I found a local library writing group where I used to go every week and sit down and write with other writers, I slowly started learning how to write a little differently from the way I've learned to write in India, write from the spellings, like a color, you know, a spelling in color of spelling of color is C-O-L-O-U-R in Indian English. 
which is British, British Indian. And here it is, there's no you. From starting from there to grammar, to the way people think was very different for me as a fiction writer. Because though I started writing poetry early on as a child, I had a lot of fiction stories published, short stories published in a lot of Indian magazines also. Even when I was working as a copywriter, I'm a storyteller. My grandmother in India, she used to tell us, we have the oral storytelling tradition. And she used to tell these stories. We used to have that little stone bench outside my grandparents' house. And both of us would sit and she would tell me stories. We would exchange stories. She would tell me a story. I would retell it in my own words. I would add my own pigments of imagination into it. So I'm always a storyteller. I had all these fiction stories that I used to write, even despite my day job. I just loved it. When I moved to the United States, I decided since I can't go to advertising or since I can't have a day job as yet, I would just work on my fiction writing skills and maybe who knows, I can come up with a novel or a collection of short stories. And I found this perfect writing group called Write Like You Mean It in Main Library in Charlotte, where I started going every week. After a certain point, I said, oh, I have so many ideas, you know, we could do different things. So they would have a prompt and then we would write and then we would share and then people would, it was not a critique group. It was just writing and sharing. That's all that happened in there. And then I said, I would like to do some more stuff out here, some more fun stuff out here. Maybe we could go to the park and write. There's an exhibit next door. Maybe we could get inspired by that and write. And so I asked the person who was running the group, her name is Pam Turner. And I said, can I volunteer with you as your assistant just for this writing group? And she said, yes. And then I started, you know, we had weekly meetings. We would plan the sessions for every week, what we would do. As I started enjoying this whole process, it was very different. I had never imagined I'm going to do something like this after moving here. It just happened so organically and I loved it. The writers were great and the library has been so, so good and so supportive with programs like this. When I started doing this a little and I started getting a little more intense with how can we get more people to know about this group? Because my advertising background is always telling me, you know, more people, it's all about visibility. More people should see, more people should hear, more people should know about it because it's a great place. I was benefiting a lot. So I'm like, can we get guest speakers in here? Can we do something like that? Can we have like a small workshop session where somebody maybe comes and talks about a specific segment of writing? It could be just querying your manuscript. It could be just revising your manuscript. It could be editing. It could be anything. And there's tons of people in Charlotte who are willing to do that. I started talking and approaching all these people. Sometimes I used to take classes with them. Sometimes I would find them online, but I was ready to go and speak to them and ask them, tell them about the group. And then I made them have these sessions at the library, you know, like bridging talent and resources is what I started doing because I wanted more engagement with the community. There were so many talented writers I used to see, but not everybody is able to afford to take classes for a specific genre, or they don't know what to do with a finished manuscript. They're all good, but they don't know what the next step is. I wanted to play a small role in there. And I said, okay, I can, I can do this. I can give them a resource. It's up to them where they take it from there. What a wonderful gift to the community. You are a gift. Thank you. That's incredible to take the initiative you know, I feel like we're so blessed to have people from different cultures and different countries come in with all these ideas and bringing part of your culture here too. You talked about the Writers Beyond Borders program. How did that name even evolve? What was that about? 
Great question. Writers Beyond Borders is a recent program. It's two years old now. I started it in 2020 in the midst of the pandemic. It came to me because of another virtual writing program, which I can talk about a little later. I was interacting with people on Zoom during the pandemic, people from across the globe. Some of the online programs that I designed for the community, uh, we had people from Nigeria and Norway and Berlin, and it was like so much richness in the writing. And from those participants, they said, can you give us a writing group? We have writers all over the world and we just meet in this virtual space maybe write, share, maybe have a guest talk to us about something. So Writers Beyond Borders was born out of that need of this group of international writers to meet and to learn and to support each other. That's what Writers Beyond Borders is all about. Right now, Writers Beyond Borders is hosted by my home library here, our Charlotte Mecklenburg Library. We meet the third Wednesday of every month. What we do is I have a guest speaker Again, somebody from the writing community, it could be a writer, it could be an editor, it could be a literary agent, it could be a publishing house, you know, the owner of a publishing house. They come and they talk to the group for about 30 minutes about their field. And then we have a small Q&A. What a wonderful program. That's truly a gift in your community and exciting for writers in the community. I know you received a big award for your community service. Yes, I did. I got the Governor's Award for Community Service. Um, Governor's Award for Community Service with her service for the Charlotte Mecklenburg Library. Kudos to you. Tell me about it. Pam had recommended me for it and I had no idea that she had put my name in there because of all the work. Because I think by the time I got the award, I had volunteered with the library for more than five years. And I was very active with the writing community of Charlotte as well. Suddenly, she sent me a message one day and said, you know, you got this award and because of the pandemic, there is no ceremony, but um, I'll bring you the certificate and the pin. I was so grateful. I was really humbled. I had no idea that she had put my name for that. Oh, I'm really happy for you to receive the affirmation and the recognition for your service to the community. That's just huge to use your gifts, to use your talents in that way. You are, by the way, an amazing woman. You received some recognition for a short story that appeared in a publication. Am I correct? Yeah, it must be a small uh, short story contest that I must have entered. I keep entering all these contests and before one of those. <laughs> you are a talented writer as well. Tell me, do you have aspirations in terms of writing a novel? Are you writing a novel? What's going on in that field, in that department? <laughs> yeah, I love that question too. I worked on different things. I always think I'm a fiction writer and my first book would be something in fiction. But what is coming to me right now um, of all these years, especially after moving to the United States and through all the writing I've done in various writing groups is a memoir about my grandmother that is quickly emerging. It's in the works. Uh, I haven't finished. I don't even have a first draft, but it's all over in my laptop in bits and pieces. There are so many flashes, all these nostalgic moments that I spent with her because she was literally my best friend. <laughs> I didn't have too many friends when I was growing up. My grandmother was my best friend. It's my mother's mother. Her name is Shivka Musundari, and she was uh, my biggest inspiration. She is my biggest inspiration. I'm so happy for you to have that experience that you were so close just to find out about the woman who influenced you. It sounds like a wonderful memoir. 
Have you made contacts in the publishing community through the the library program, people who might be interested in looking at what you're doing? I don't even have a manuscript ready because I, I, I believe the book has to come to me. When you talked about your book and how you're writing and how the book literally found you, right? I'm not yet there. But just to honor my grandmother being my inspiration, not just in my growing years, like she inspires me every day, every single day. You know, there's no moment that I'm not thinking about her. She's always inspiring me in some way. Like they say, they're watching over you, right? Like she's watching over me. She's taking care of me wherever she is right now, though she passed several years ago, but I feel like she's still with me. So the book has to come to me. I'm not there yet in the querying stage with that. I definitely believe she's still with you. I understand that completely, that she's there with you and guiding you. As long as you keep writing those bits and pieces, everything will gel. You will see how the story unfolds. You really do have a lot of drive. I love not only the creativity and the talent, but your drive, your ambition, because you're entering contests, you're working on a memoir. I know you're writing short stories and good for you. I think I saw that you were creating a writing and art webinar. It's actually my first in-person workshop. I haven't done an in-person and I don't know when was the last time we did something in person, right? I've been on Zoom the whole time from 2020 till now. Actually, my workshop is on 2nd of June and it's an art and writing workshop. We call it Find It Your Inner Compass. And I'm not an art artist. I'm a literary artist. So I'm co-facilitating it with my friend uh, who is also local, who also lives in Charlotte. Her name is Umayal Lakshmanan. And she is going to be doing the art part. And I'm going to be doing the writing part. So that's what the workshop is all about. Is someone going to record it so that other people can see what you're doing? No, I'm afraid not. This is going to be in person, no tech, just meeting people. But we are happy to do something on Zoom. If if people want it, we are happy to bring it on Zoom as well, because not everybody is local. And like we just spoke about how pandemic and Zoom has just widened our audience as artists and writers and creative people. I think if I take it online and there's an interest, I would love to do it then. I would think there'd be a great source of inspiration, the art. That's just wonderful. So, Robbie, where do you go from this point? Do you have, other than memoir, what are your thoughts about where you go from here? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't have any plans because every time I make plans, I'm like, okay, this is not what I planned. So right now I'm like, just one day at a time, you know, do my best and keep going. I have not made any plans for the future. Let me be very honest. I think just taking it a day at a time is probably a really good way to go. We're all coming out of the pandemic and and finding our way again in our communities and with our friends, with our families. Just getting out and about is a huge thing and things have changed. I think inside we've, we've also internally changed about the way we do things. You've taken that time during the pandemic to use your creativity and still serve, not only in the local community, but globally. I really commend you for that. What questions have I not asked you? We can speak about the movement and writing workshop that I talked to you about. We haven't spoken about that. 
which was actually the first workshop I did on Zoom. And that's where I got inspired to do everything else. During the pandemic in May 2020, when the world was going topsy-turvy, everybody was confused and we didn't even know if you're going to be alive or not. That's how bad it was. What I observed was as a creative person, I saw a lot of people on social media. I observed a lot of people going to the arts, using arts like music, painting, dance as a form of coping with this uncertainty. That was the most uncertain time and we had no idea where we were going with it. And I'm like, okay, people are confused. People want something. I felt like as a writer, my writing is what grounds me. My writing is my go-to. Every time I feel confused or stressed or I want perspective on something, I'm like, what if I bring writing to the community and ask them to use this as a coping mechanism during the stressful time? Another thing I was dealing with, is I'm a very outdoors person. I have to go on my walks. I have to get out. I cannot like continuously sit at home all the time. I was missing movement also. I'm like, what if we, if we combine movement and writing together and make it a workshop and just give it to the community as a community service? It's going to be free for all. Anybody can log in with Zoom at any part of the world and just do this. But I'm not a dancer. I've not done any kind of movement as such. So I contacted a friend of mine, Jyotsna, um, in India. She's a movement therapist. She just completed her program in dance and movement therapy. And so I'm like, why don't we just combine these two movement and writing and give people workshops uh, on Zoom? Let's give it a shot. And even I had no idea whether it's going to click or whether it's people are not going to take to it. I was ready to try the, the thing about myself is I'm ready to put myself out there again and again and again and try different things. I'm okay with that. So she's like, okay, we'll try four sessions. And if it works, we go ahead. If it doesn't, we stop. I said, I'm okay with that. In May, 2020, we did the first workshop of movement and writing. We call it Write to Move, Move to Write. And it was a huge success. We had a good turnout. We had a good response. The most important thing was people felt connected. People felt supported at that point with other people who were on small rectangular boxes on the screen. And I thought that was big. We have been doing that now. We've constantly been doing workshops, at least one workshop every month. We have another one coming up on June 12th. I think I'm close to more than 25 workshops now on Zoom. You really are an incredible person. That's just phenomenal. Thank you for telling me about that. You have wonderful friends in your community, but you also have wonderful friends in India who can just give you a totally different perspective. What a great combo, because I think sometimes we do need to turn on music and dance just to get your energy going or else go for a walk or go outside so, Robbie, you have so many things going on. Where can people find you? You can find me on social media. I'm there on Facebook. You can just use my name. Instagram, I've given my handle. It's writersmind.surubi. Or you can shoot me an email. Send me an email at creativemind.surubi at gmail.com. And I'll respond. I do have a blog, but it is not fully done. And I don't have a contact form up there. I'm trying to make that into a nice looking website. And after that, I'll be able to share that and be easier to reach me through the website than all of these things. I'm going to put all of your social media information on my website and mm -hmm. also in the show notes for our episode. 
it's just such a delight to meet you because of our interest in Okajoshi. I got a chance to meet you, which is a real gift to me. I love to meet new people and find out what they're doing. And then I receive inspiration and energy and certainly receive that from you. I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me and share all the things you're doing in the community and for yourself. You're giving yourself gifts with all the things that you're developing and writing and creating. Thank you, lovely. Same thing back at you, like they say here. (laughs) I'm so inspired by everything that you do, even this podcast, all your writing. Good luck with your book. And I'm so grateful for being here. Thank you so much. Thanks to Glasgow resident Jonathan Chapman, classically trained musician, artist, website designer, and a really great guy who introduced me to Edinburgh-based Red Note Ensemble and their album, Reels to Ragas, whose music you're listening to with renowned tabla player Kuljit Bamra. For more information, see the show notes at bollywoodandbooks.com where East truly meets West. 